Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics. The Southeastern Conference, Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network alongside my great friend and co-host, Brett Beard, longtime college football analyst most recently and currently of First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent, of course, also a voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in all of collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, this is the kind of weekend we like in the SEC. Yes. Seven games, but all 14 teams in action because we have all Southeastern Conference matchups in week five. Well, we love that. Uh, been, been a few surprises so far. Some teams have yet got going. Uh, they're hoping to get some important players back uh, that's coming up. But it is, it's going to be another uh, great Saturday uh, that that we could be there from uh, – uh, what trial from noon and with Bama and Mississippi State playing playing at nine o'clock Eastern time uh, into the wee wee hours of the morning. Yeah, late night in Starkville coming up with Alabama and Mississippi State to cap the day, but we're gonna get things going in that noon Eastern slot with Texas A and M and Arkansas A and M coming off. A semi-impressive win over Auburn. I wouldn't say either team played to its maximum. Uh, potential uh, in College Station last Saturday, but A&M gets the job done in the process, though Brent loses Connor Wigman to an injury. That's really tough to sort of digest, not only for that offense, but for Connor Wigman first and foremost. The silver lining, though, A&M from a quarterback depth perspective with Max Johnson still on that roster has to feel as good as it can anyway about the situation that it now finds itself dealing with. Well, the, the and injuries are a huge part of this game, uh, and I give you credit for this. You told us that the, before the season started that having Max Johnson would pay off at some point for A&M. Well, it's about to. And look, if you've got it in this league, Trav, you've got to have a capable backup at quarterback, don't you, in this league? if you're going to be doing anything. So uh, we keep our eyes not only on that, but the other big thing about this game is, uh, is the chance that Rocket Sanders, the tremendous Arkansas running back, could play. What we do know now is that he has had a knee injury and had swelling in that knee. Um, Sam Pittman has said he is, looks the best that he's had really since the beginning of the year. This is a really emotional game. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, Trev, after watching Arkansas and LSU last week and K.J. Jefferson, listen, they nearly beat LSU. So this is a huge game for both of these teams. Yeah, I give Arkansas a lot of credit. Three-point loss on the road at LSU, and you're right. K.J. Jefferson 
was tremendous. I know Jaden Daniels got the win, but in terms of impressing me more, it was probably KJ Jefferson because he was yeah. literally carrying that football team at times. And again, as you said, doing it without Rocket Sanders, although Dominion chipped in nicely with 78 rushing yards against the Tigers. And then in the aftermath, to hear in recent days Sam Pittman talk about the mental health side of things, not only where you know he's concerned, but certainly his team as well. I give him credit for broaching that topic. However, at the same time, it makes me wonder how will this team respond to such a draining loss emotionally to LSU? And now you go to Arlington to take on uh, Texas A&M. That's that's my that's my issue with siding with Arkansas in this game. I I love K.J. Jefferson. And yeah, if you get Sanders back, great. Uh, But what is left in the tank for the Razorbacks coming up this week? Well, and my question too, Travis, is the now look. I like Pittman, and and I think he's a great fit for them. Uh, but you remember last year was a struggle. A lot of that was because of a difficult schedule. If they lose a couple of big games here, particularly against A&M, and what is a real rivalry for them, Trav, how much would that? I don't think they're going to fire him, but you really never know. But that seat does get warmer, does it not? Well, and his comments earlier in the week almost started to sound like a guy who is at peace with what might be coming. Almost as if, hey, if you want to write the check uh, at some point, I'm I'm good with it. You know, Sam Pittman's been around a long time. Yeah, this isn't a young guy. So uh, this is, you know, taking even more out of him at his age and his point in his career than it would say, you know, a guy like Eli Drinkwitz uh, of Missouri. So something to certainly keep an eye on, as you said, with what's still on the plate for Arkansas coming up, even after this matchup with Texas A&M. Also in that noon Eastern slot on ESPN Saturday, Florida making the trip to Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. The Cats trying to make it three in a row over the Florida Gators, who looked as if they might add a little bit of a Tennessee hangover in that 22 to seven win over Charlotte last Saturday night. No question. And (laughs) to put this in perspective for our fans (laughs) who are listening, the, uh, if Kentucky wins, uh, Saturday, it would be Mark Stoops third in row. Uh, the last time that happened was with one bear Bryant, Back in 1949. I would have guessed Jerry Claiborne, you know, yeah. but no, go back to the bear. Wow. Uh, that's amazing, too. And, and Trev, you remember Florida on that 31 win streak at one point against Kentucky. Uh, I'm sure Pops will be able to be glad to tell us all about that one uh, also. But this is one of those 50-50 games for both of these teams. It, it's an important game. You've got a good matchup here between Maxwell Hairston, the Kentucky DB, who had two picks, not one, but two pick sixes, and Ricky Pearsall uh, with that two. Uh, Kingsley Aguacan would be back for Florida, their starting center. Uh, Also, Gator still struggling in that red zone trap, number 37 overall. You've got to believe that. Trevor Etienne will have more than eight carries as he did against Charlotte, but I still like this Gator defense. 
number five in the nation, number one in the SEC, without very many senior starters. And Trev, I wonder out loud, could that be the difference in this game? It could be. Um, you know, you got a couple of transfer quarterbacks and Mertz and Leary. That's an intriguing matchup. Yes. I think it's sort of the opposite for the two offenses. What can Kentucky get out of Ray Davis and that run game against Florida? And then I think that Florida with Etienne and that running back situation that it has uh, can do some damage on the ground, but can Mertz and Ricky Pearsall and the rest of that passing game provide enough balance to get the job done on the road? Here's what we do know about Florida after last week. Gators can talk some smack yeah. when it comes to their <laughs> kicker, right? How about yeah. Trey Smack with five field goals for the Gators? Uh, that's a good thing to see, too, when you're about to go on the road and what you anticipate to be a close football game. Coming up at 3.30 Eastern Saturday on CBS, you've got Auburn coming off that road loss at Texas A&M, going to host the top-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. These two teams, man, they've been playing since, I guess, really yeah. since they've both been playing, right? Yeah, oldest rivalry in the uh, uh, SEC uh, boy, I, you, Trav, you really wonder, did Hugh Freeze think this this offense, particularly this quarterback position, which is his bailiwick, would be uh, as bad as they are right now? Um, and they really don't have anybody to go to out of the three. And then, and, and then you've got Georgia. Then in a couple of weeks, you've got LSU. So, that 3-0 and is going to disappear rather quickly. And now they're without Damari Austin, one of their better running backs, who he won't be able to play either. So, But, but again, Georgia, by, by the way, Carson Beck, 1,184 yards um, after four games. That's a best since 2000. The, the, the two other guys better than that were Stetson Bennett, and Aaron Murray, Lad Conkey might play uh, in this game. But look, unless Auburn's got a lot of voodoo as they can have, meaning unexplainable things happen in, in uh, Jordan Hare, uh, that I'm not saying Georgia will necessarily dig, uh, could win this game with four or five touchdowns, and they might, but uh, I'm not. Trev, I'm not sure even the wild Auburn crowd is going to help them much Saturday. Well, I don't think they were helped when they heard their head coach, Hugh Freeze, earlier in the week, uh, essentially apologizing to Peyton Thorne for not having him prepared well enough yeah, going yeah. into the Texas A&M game and promising that he will, along with his offensive staff, have Peyton Thorne ready for what he is expected to encounter on Saturday afternoon down on the plains. So, Rough spot for this Auburn offense. If anything, it makes me appreciate Cam Newton's 2010 season Ooh. even more because he kind of walked into a similar scenario at Auburn. Yeah. But he was such you know, a, a hybrid uh, unicorn type that he could help your run game uh, immensely. Uh, good enough passer to elevate the play of your receivers. And I think it's safe to say, and it's not really fair to even consider this comparison, Peyton Thorne is not Cam Newton. No. So <laughs> the, the quarterback situation at Auburn is is first and foremost uh, on that front burner. Uh, what, we saw three quarterbacks for Auburn against yes. Texas A&M last week? And that's going to be tough to 
to sustain in a winning fashion anyway in the Southeastern Conference. So you're right, too. I don't, I don't think we've talked enough about Carson Beck and the way he has played um, through four weeks. I'm not surprised by it, but I think it's an area where George's lack of legitimate competition has probably hurt a guy like Carson Beck in terms of notoriety and recognition. Uh, because I just don't think a lot of people are watching Georgia right now. Maybe that'll change yeah. a little bit uh, with the game at Auburn on Saturday. Four o'clock Eastern on SEC Network. Mizzou, fresh from the loo, where the Tigers <laughs> got a win over Memphis in St. Louis. So here Missouri sits at 4-0, and headed to take on a Vanderbilt team that continues to struggle uh, in this losing streak for Clark Lee's team. A real opportunity. We thought this would be an opportunity game either way, right? Thinking about yeah. Vanderbilt possibly is maybe 4-0, and 5-0 possibly coming into this game. Maybe Missouri being where it is right now at 4-0, and and uh, it is Missouri with that chance this week. Well, it is. And, and the interesting thing here is uh, Missouri's got a lot of things going for it offensively. And Eli Drinkwith at SEC Media Day said, look, I've got to make a change. Uh, we need to get somebody different calling plays. Well, uh, there have been a lot of things that, that have made a difference. Uh, Cody Schrader among the SEC leaders uh, in rushing averaging a gaudy 8.2 yards per carry. Brady Cook. Travis and Stant that I know that you bring up to us a lot that's extremely important. Brady Cook leads the SEC with 10.7 yards per attempt. So that that's quite impressive, uh, uh, to say the least. And, and again, I, I know people get kind of get tired of us bringing this up, but, but Trev, are people beginning to realize now that Luther Burden is a real deal? They should. I mean, the guy was a five-star prospect coming out of high school, so Absolutely. it's not like he was some type of hidden gem uh, that Missouri stumbled across. He was very coveted. Programs like Alabama uh, certainly wanted Luther Burden, Ohio State, and others, so get him the football as often as you can. It looks like Brady Cook, for now anyway, has kept the naysayers at bay. Yes. Missouri fan base as the Mizzou starting quarterback. And for Vanderbilt... I said this even after the win over Hawaii. I was in Nashville for that game. And I just didn't detect a lot of energy from this Vanderbilt team. And even more so than the talent deficit that it operates at in most weeks, especially in the Southeastern Conference, that's what stood out to me. It made me wonder what type of offseason did Vanderbilt have? Yeah. Did Clark Lee kill these guys oh, really? in August? Because... Uh, boy, it's just a, a team that lacks a lot of pop. And, you know, you knew going to A.J. Swan as the quarterback, you were going to have to mostly be a traditional pro-style approach. He's not Mike Wright. He's not going to beat people with his legs. Uh, he's going to have to make good decisions. And um, without uh, the, the, the running situation being what it was even a year ago, uh, it's been a lot that's been put on Swan in that passing game. But again, as much as anything, lifeless at times, Vanderbilt, yeah. which as an underdog on a week-to-week basis, you would think juice is something that they would bring uh, with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Six o'clock Eastern on ESPN Saturday night, 
LSU, fresh off that thrilling three-point win over Arkansas at Death Valley, heads to Oxford to take on an Ole Miss team, stumbling in after a 24-10 defeat at the hands of the Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. This is another one of those bounce-back games where you wonder about what's in the tank for one of the two teams, maybe even both these teams, because LSU had to expend a lot to get that win over Arkansas. But in terms of being discouraged, even at the head coach level with Lane Kiffin after this latest defeat at the hands of Nick Saban, that's the team I probably wonder about the most in this matchup. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and uh, uh, Lane Kiffin now 0-4 uh, against uh, Nick Saban. couple things that, that, that have come up over the last few days. Uh, Trav, does this surprise you at all? Michael Trigg is gone. Uh, the USC transfer, who who a lot of people thought would have a big career at Ole Miss, uh, but he is no longer on the team. And Lane was p- pretty well laid it out. Uh, so we wish him well, but he's no longer here. So that that's one gone. Quishon uh, Junkins, only 3.5 yards a carry, no runs of 15 yards uh, or more. So, uh, and, and Trav, remember last year, and this has happened when Alabama beats them, uh, their mental, uh, comeback is really struggling. So Bama almost beats them twice. I wonder if that happens again Saturday. Yeah, that's the Bama effect. And we're starting to see it with Georgia too, or we have seen it with Georgia here of late where a team heads into a matchup with Alabama and feels like more so than ever a win is there for the taking. And then not only the physical aspect of a loss to Alabama takes its toll, but the mental side of it, Um, you know, that sort of brook trout look that Nick Saban talks about that teams get, you got to really work hard as a head coach and a staff to prevent that from carryover into the following week. Now, this is LSU coming to town, so that should actually help yeah, Lane Kiffin. Sure. I'd be more worried about Ole Miss from that perspective this week if, say, Kentucky or you know a, a team of that ilk was was making the trip to to the Grove. But uh, this should be a fascinating game in the early window in the evening time on ESPN Saturday. Uh, you know, Jackson Dart, we talked about it. I love the way the guy plays the game, but man, some of the shots he took against Alabama last week, it just takes you back to what is the viability? What is the sustainability of this guy over the course of 13 games? But Ole Miss, kind of like Texas A&M, from a depth perspective, LSU's like this too, uh, with with Nussmeyer behind Jaden Daniels. Uh, it's become almost NFL-like how teams are, you know, really making sure that that number two guy isn't so much a developmental young guy as it is a guy that can plug and play right now Uh, because we're seeing quarterbacks go down. We're seeing big shots on a weekly basis. You know, the quarterback in college football, Brent, you probably noticed this, isn't protected by the rules and or the officials nearly as much as quarterbacks in the National Football League. I mean, you literally – can't drive a really? quarterback. You can't finish a, a tackle attempt on a quarterback in the NFL. In college, hey, these guys are are wide open to just about anything, and um, you know that's where you also worry about a guy like Jackson Dart, given the way 
he plays the game. 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network Saturday night. South Carolina heads to Tennessee. The Gamecocks coming off a thrilling win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Cola last Saturday night. Spencer Rattler with a big game, really the passing game in general. Uh, Xavier Leggett, man, how about this guy emerging as a real star at the wide receiver position for the Gamecocks? And you know Tennessee has had this game circled since uh, getting bombed at home by the Gamecocks last November. Uh, Tennessee's an interesting team right now, though. Because whereas they may have had this game circled throughout the offseason, Brent, uh, they haven't played in a way, or certainly consistently enough on offense especially, to feel overly confident in what is a get-back game uh, for the Vols in this series with South Carolina. Uh, And as good as Joe Milton can be at times, he still, and he did against UTSA, Trev, at one point, he had this stretch where he was one of 10. Mm. So that, you know, in the back of your mind, you kind of got that. Uh, I, I do a podcast with Shane Matthews, the former Gator great, and he met, we were talking about this earlier, uh, earlier today, Travis, and his point was Milton's going to get somebody fired in the NFL real quick. <laughs> So, but, but, uh, he, he certainly can be good, certainly can be bad. The offense looks like it's better, uh, at Tennessee. Uh, look, you call this at the beginning of the year, they're running the ball well, uh, 229 yards, eighth best in the nation with Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, uh, and Samson, or those guys are, playing well. The ball defense is a bit better. Uh, SEC's best with 4.2 yards per play allowed. And that's one one place where they needed to really get it going. But again, to, to come back here uh, to South Carolina, Trevor, are you surprised with Spencer Rattler? We were talking about the, the woes for Milton a minute ago. But look, uh, Rattler this year, particularly in the last few games, is capable of hitting like 13 or 15 passes in a row. Uh, was 18 of 20 at one point uh, last week. So he is really on his game this season. I think the NFL is taking note, too. Uh, sure I, you know, we wondered a little bit after last season if Rattler might not be better served by striking while the iron was hot given the way he played against Tennessee late in the regular season and how he performed against Clemson the end of the regular season, but made the decision to come back, and it's games like this one that uh, make that decision look like a wise one. 18 of 20, 288, three touchdowns, and also with his legs. This is a guy that obviously would rather do his work from the pocket, but you know he had 43 rushing yards no. against Mississippi State for a 5.4-yard average, but... I think what's really going to take this offense to another level is Xavier Leggett. You know, this is a guy coming out of high school a handful of years ago. Not a highly regarded prospect, but talk about a guy who seems to have just developed over the course of time. Five catches, 189 against that beleaguered Mississippi State secondary. A couple touchdowns for Leggett. And uh, you mix it, Trey Knox there, the Arkansas transfer, and uh, Dak Joyner, and uh, a few other guys. And you're not seeing just Spencer Rattler have to to focus on one guy, although Leggett is obviously emerging. 
Um, he's capable. Spencer Rattler has reached a point in his development, Brent, where he's capable of making guys around him better. And to me, that was as big a question mark for him when he made the move from Oklahoma to South Carolina as anything else. Well, and and we made the point with Joe Milton a minute ago, uh, and maybe he will by the end of the year. Milton's not doing that right now. Right. Uh, saw that firsthand uh, in Gainesville uh, that that just did not happen at all. But and see, that's another thing that we talked about for South Carolina and Leggett emerging is so important, particularly with the injuries that they've had uh, on uh, on offense and specifically with the wide receivers. And his emergence has just come at a tremendous time for them because we 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 thought if they had weapons on the edge uh, and and receiver uh, that their year could get a whole lot better than we even predicted it might. Yeah, and if you're a Tennessee fan this week with South Carolina coming to town, you're looking at Will Rogers' stat line for Mississippi State last Saturday night yes. and saying, okay, Joe Milton. Now, Will Rogers just threw for 487 uh, and averaged over 10 yards completion in that loss to South Carolina. Let's see if you're capable of doing the same. I think Tennessee also has the benefit, as we've talked about, a, a, a depth at the running back position that certainly can uh, do some good things for the balls on that side of the ball as well. And we cap things for the upcoming week. As we review, as we preview week four to week five in the Southeastern Conference, nine o'clock Eastern on ESPN. And by the way, you've got that six Eastern game on ESPN yeah. with LSU and Ole Miss. So if you're thinking Alabama, Mississippi State's going to kick off exactly at nine <laughs> o'clock, yeah, don't hold your breath. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict that we get Alabama, Mississippi State more around 915. Yeah, with a kickoff on ESPN News. That's my prediction for the broadcast and the kickoff time for Alabama and State. Talk about another rivalry in the SEC. It's it's that weekend, right? With yes, Georgia and Auburn and Alabama, Mississippi State. At least in terms of the number of times these teams have gotten together. Yeah, and Bama's certainly dominated. And and Nick, and this is. This is one of the things that has been so impressive about Nick Saban is how he has dominated teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Arkansas, and you can kind of go down the list uh, with that. But this is a state team that, again, people are wondering now, is Zach Arnett maybe a little bit over his head? Um, uh, I still think he's a pretty good football coach, but being the guy – uh, is tough and give Arnett some slack because of having to take over after the untimely death of Mike Leach. But Will Rogers slowly coming around. They're still dead last in the SEC in third down conversions. That defense uh, is struggling, particularly at the back end of it. But Trav, the, the group that I w- wanted to mention in here that really picked it up is the Alabama defense. Dallas Turner playing really well, four and a half sacks the last two games. And boy, how about Caleb Downs uh, coming in, leads the defense with 15 solo tackles at this point. And what a what a great call, certainly by uh, the Alabama Brain Trust on, on defense with Kevin Steele 
instead of what waiting on what Bama did with Pete Golding last year in the Tennessee and LSU losses and just basically dropping eight uh, and doing the best they could against receivers, they forced the issue uh, with the blitz made a made a huge difference. So uh, certainly kudos for that tight defense in the second half. Yeah, and you, you look at this matchup and you think about the quarterbacks involved. You know, Will Rogers, this will be his fourth appearance against Alabama. That's Saw right. the field as a true freshman off the bench back in 2020, has made a couple starts since then, and they've been rough. He was sacked seven times in Starkville the last time Alabama made that trip over. And he's been intercepted five times in games against Alabama. So it's been a forgettable series for Will Rogers. Now, with Tulu Griffin emerging like he did last week in the slot, I think that presents a legitimate challenge. I think Alabama feels pretty good about Malachi Moore if it comes down to it as their slot corner. And uh, that being said, I think what helps Alabama a lot defensively right now as a unit as a whole is that the corners are playing as well as any tandem yes. in college football, not just the Southeastern Conference, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry and Arnold. You know, when you can just look to your outside guys to say, all right, lock up their outside guys, and then we can send some help to this guy who went for 256 last year, last week. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a nice situation. And on top of that, you got edge guys like Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, uh, that are getting home uh, on the quarterback at a higher and higher rate, it seems, on a weekly basis. So, you wonder, too, late kickoff, where is this fan base at for Mississippi State right now with two straight losses? Um, you know, how much of a benefit is this to to state? And you talk about, you know, wins over Nick Saban. The last Mississippi State coach to beat Nick Saban at Alabama was not Dan Mullen, was not the late Mike Leach. You got to go back to Sylvester Croom. Sure do. In Nick Saban's first season, that forgettable 0 for November yes. for Saban in Alabama back in 2007, Brent. Oh, yeah, that, that was very, very difficult. But And again, tough stretch for Alabama and Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Uh, that will, will tell a good bit of where this uh, season is going. What's your, what's your confidence level in Jalen Milrow? going into this road start where are you at with him i'm i'm still basically with milrow trav uh quarter to quarter game by game <laughs> snap uh, to snap yeah i'm with yeah. you yeah i i mean look give him credit on his uh on his deep ball especially with hale uh emerging at, at the wide receiver spot mm. and, and i still wonder where jacory brooks is going to be right now he has more punt blocks than he does catches uh, at this point. But uh, Tommy Reese uh, did come up with uh, some quarterback runs, which certainly helped. Uh, but one one still is going to be a little bit wary, Trav, of, uh, of that decision-making, especially when you saw it uh, when Bama's in the red zone, he throws a pick in the, in the end zone. Yeah, into a coverage that he has seen on numerous occasions at this point. So I'm with you. Still to be determined with Jalen Milrow in terms of the big picture viability of him as the starting quarterback at Alabama. But right now, it's his ball. It's his game. And I think this game on Saturday night, probably going to be 
along the lines of some of the games we've seen so many times in this series, something like 24 to 13 or 27 yeah. to 10. Yeah. Um, not going to probably offer up much in the way of style points. And if you're Alabama right now, that's the way you want it. Because True. if it becomes aesthetically pleasing, it probably means that Will Rogers has got you in a situation of needing to score into the 30s to win. And this still, to me, an Alabama offense that not just because of Milrow, but because of inconsistency with the offensive line and penalties that have negated several touchdowns for Alabama uh, through four games. Um, those are those are that's the type of scenario you I think you still need to avoid for Nick Saban's team. Brent, anything else before we get out of here? Trev, I, I know this is non-SEC, but uh, I give a lot of credit to the ACC. Uh, they've got some surprisingly undefeated teams, and one of those is Duke with North Carolina coming – with uh, Notre Dame coming to town. Game day going to be there. Uh, I, I'm wondering if Coach K has a cameo somewhere around there, either – during the game or maybe on on, on game day at, at this point. But kudos to the much maligned ACC for, uh, what, Florida State, Miami, Duke, Syracuse. Boy, this Louisville team under Jeff Brom, and you told us uh, uh, that when Brom got there, they were going to be unbelievable on offense. So just – just a quick plug, Trav, for that league and particularly for game day being at Duke. Yeah, well, you know, I had the uh, I had the Auburn Texas A and M and Clemson Florida State games on dueling sixty five inch TVs last Saturday side by side, and it really felt like the leagues had been swapped. Yeah, right with Clemson really. Florida State, I'm thinking this is high level SEC that we're yeah. accustomed to. Meanwhile, the pillow fight in College Station felt <laughs> kind of like Duke, Virginia. Yeah. More than it felt like uh, the SEC were, we were used to. And, and the question, Trev, before we go, the question has to be asked uh, with Pops, is the air of that balloon and he's now back with his gators? What can you no, no. tell uh, us? He's still, he's still all in on Prime, even after that <laughs> shellacking at the, the hands of the Ducks. Last weekend, he's he's still very much a Dion guy. I mean, he's cautiously optimistic about his Gators. You yeah. Know? But yeah. if you asked him today, I can promise you he would say his expectation is for Kentucky to win that game. Right. In Lexington on Saturday. He he unless it unless Steve Spurrier reappears <laughs> yeah. on the Florida sideline and is in a visor calling plays. Right. Pops is is not going to. Yeah. He's not going to invest, I don't think, entirely uh, in Florida football for the time being. So there's your Pops update. All right, Brent, look forward to another week, a full week, a full Saturday of SEC on SEC Action. And look forward to talking about it with you again next week. Uh, and amazingly, Trev, we'll be in October when we talk next time. Absolutely. It's already here. Crazy, right? For Brent Beard, Travis Schreier, thanking you all for joining us right here on Second Helping on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Always appreciate Belly Up for their support of this program. You can find Second Helping wherever you subscribe to podcasts and uh, wherever that may be. We'll, we'll be there for you. So, Brent, look forward to next week. Me too, friend. Take care. 
and Travis Schreier. Again, thank you for joining us right here on the show. And until next time, so long, everybody.